everybody welcome back to uh one for the dagger podcast feathered flow and the worst show in chicago um coming fresh off the fourth straight year where the dodgers have lost to the eventual world series champions um tommy i just wanted to get your juices flowing before we go into the state of the union address that i know you're really hots and trots to kind of go about doing so uh you you really really wanted to lay into jeremy Carlton this episode or you were messaging me about how you don't even need fucking podcast notes so i'm gonna let you kick it off here yeah i how i i'm i'm done with him like i i'm not sure i've ever been so out on a coach before like i was pretty optimistic going in i didn't i didn't agree with the decision but i was pretty optimistic going in i was like okay you know a new a new system a new voice could be good bring some good ideas he did good in rockford and holy shit he has no idea what he's doing his line combinations are absolutely terrible and then he sits and says it's not about the lines but then he goes and changes the lines three times in three games or whatever it was i don't think he knows how to talk to the media i think he's lost the room completely i don't think they're playing for him and i don't i don't see how he makes it to like the start of the new year honestly he he's done such a poor job at everything possible I, I don't know how you bring him back i don't know how you let him finish the year i i don't and the thing is i was actually uh hold up sorry i'm just adjusting my mic and the thing is i was actually one of the people um very you know loudly rooting for the scratching of seabrook but um even though it is something i've wanted for quite some time considering you know it's very evident that seabrook isn't an nhl defenseman anymore um, you know, we've written that book and we don't need to recite it to you anymore. But even in that instance, I thought he handled things very poorly. Um, it seemed like the communication factor between him and Seven is just like uh, <laughs> a cordial at best. Um, basically, what I, I can't remember who who posted the uh, headline article, or whatever, um, said that essentially Jeremy Colleton just just told them on an off day that he wasn't going to be playing and that sounds like it was about it with without much further explanation and uh, it really makes you feel for a guy like Brent Seabrook because I as much as I do think he was rightfully scratched considering his last handful just in general have been awful and his pace of play is just nowhere nearly up to standard for the NHL anymore um man it just really sucks to see such a warrior like that you know um get it stuck to him so badly and you know i i really i really do congratulate uh carlton for you know flexing some nuts here and uh you know putting seabrook in his rightful spot which is the press box but at the same time um i feel a little bit of resentment towards carlton at the same time because it just seems like he took that situation and didn't really use it as an opportunity to give Seabrook insight as to why he was being scratched. Like any sensible coach will sit down and talk with their players about what they could be doing differently. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, if anybody has earned that conversation, it's him. Like it, that guy has has been the heart and soul of the team for the last decade. He was he was one of the first, you know, players of this of this era of Hawks teams to to come up and play. Um, vocal leader of the team without a doubt, and he's not even given a, an, a good explanation as to why he's being set. And I, I don't mind him being uh, scratched for that game against um, uh, who who's the the first the king? Yeah, the king. I don't I don't mind that one at all. I think it sent a little bit of message message to the whole team that like 
hey, this type of play is not going to fly. Nobody's safe from being benched. You know, something like that. I didn't, I didn't mind it. But to scratch him again against Nashville, I didn't. I don't know if I agree with it, especially if he didn't get that conversation. Johnny, do you have any input on the Seabrook scratching? Well, I mean, Seabrook doesn't like it because he's he thinks he still has a lot left, which, hmm. but like you said, like Carlton has to do something. Like you can't just keep playing him and expect different results. But it also goes with the player. Like the the veterans on this team are are not gonna. I think they're done listening to this fucking librarian and his stupid all his oh, whatever but <laughs> i don't want to talk about jeremy call <laughs> no it's okay I, I i i hate to make you talk about him more than but he you said like that the quote seabrook said too he was like it had to do fuck forgot his he quote was it was like he was, he said, he was like yeah, i want to provide for service somebody. to somebody yeah to somebody, somebody. Yeah. it's like all right well and somebody was I mean, like i saw somebody suggested the Seabrook and something else for Louis Erickson? Yeah, not a fucking How chance. Does that make sense? No chance. I think no. that was Satchel Price. No fucking. I, mean, I, 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 I can <laughs> see the sense? Hawks. I can see the Hawks making a trade that stupid. I mean, there is precedent, but uh, I don't. I don't know if that's how it exactly break down. You know what? Maybe maybe Louis Erickson <laughs> were he to come to Chicago. God yeah, we made forbid, fun of James Neal, a, and he has his, his eleven. Yeah, goals he's got right he's got eleven goals. I mean, he's. I, I pretty much called he was going to score fucking 25 in his sleep with McDavid as his center. And it seems to be going okay. I mean, Louis Erickson with, you know what? I really don't want Louis Erickson on the no. team. I don't really want to envision it at all. But, uh, I mean, no, Jeremy Carlton is just. The thing with him uh, is is the, the scratching against LA, I think it was more of a message to the whole team than it was Seabrook himself. And, and, you had somewhat of a good excuse to say, look, it's a, it's a, a second of a back-to-back. Want to rest him. You know, he's getting up there in age. I think people could kind of, you know, turn the other way and, and say, yeah, that's that's what he really was talking about. Not not necessarily benching him for his play, but, but the rest thing. I think we all know it was for his play, but if you want to say it was rest, it works to do it on the second of a back-to-back. But then to go and, and scratch him again against Nashville kind of, you kind of blew your whole argument there in the first place that it was rest. And it's, it's pretty obvious that it's performance-based. So you, you make yourself look bad when you're not giving clear clear answers or clear reasoning to, to the public. Yeah, and uh, Seabrook's response, we touched on this before, but uh, I just wanted to go back to it a little bit. I, I, I will admit I didn't like it, um, especially as somebody who's considered a pillar of leadership in the Chicago Blackhawks organizations. Um, just like, I don't know, what do you call it? System, I guess. Uh, he, see, like, I, I, you know, don't blame him at all for being angry. I don't blame him at all for being upset. Uh, it, it seemed like in his post-game uh, comments, or not post-game comments, but just comments in general, you know, he seemed about as upset as a person could be while also, you know, trying to stay at least somewhat composed. And um, I, I don't blame him like at all for wanting to, you know, wanting to play and still going out there and playing like he has something to prove. But I mean, in, in what little defense I have for Carlton in the situation is, um, you know, it's, to go out and say something like that to the media, like, you know, you don't need to rest or you don't feel like you need to rest and that you can still play and that you, you could still be of service to somebody. Like, 
could you just take a look in the mirror for like two seconds and and realize like that when you're out on the ice pretty much every metric points to the fact that you do more harm than good to this team i mean i i really hate saying even just that i mean that that's really only how it's been currently like seabrook is a, a legend in chicago and he will forever be you know remembered as one of the hawks best defensemen to ever put on a sweater but um something about these comments just like um you know i'm not i'm not so much mad about what he said um I, i'm more i'm more a little bit upset and miffed about what he didn't say because he didn't he didn't really want or at, le- at least he didn't make it sound like he wanted to you know make this a learning op- learning opportunity he didn't make it sound like he wanted to be the bigger person in the scenario it just sound like uh you know obviously a player who's just sick of his coach sick of his bullshit and um, it, it shows. I mean, you look around the locker room. Uh, Taves is playing like garbage. Kane seems extremely disengaged. Keith is, you know, uh, being his normal red ass self, the self, but like the, to the nth degree. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he's had a couple of good games, you know, where he's looked like his vintage self. But other than that, you know, the, the whole leadership division of this Blackhawks team just it, like whatever, they're not whatever, this bad. Yeah, whatever whatever message Carlton's trying to send, it's clearly not working. They're they're clearly not listening. And going back to the comments real quick, I honestly I didn't mind him too much. I wouldn't have minded if he th- if he threw in some comments about accountability in there, like hey, something like, "Hey, you know, I I realize that I have to be better than I have been." But at the same yeah. time, I I get him being pissed. I get him not wanting to be scratched. I I get the whole situation sucks for him. I, I don't mind him defending himself, but it would have been nice to see him take a little middle ground there too. Hey, I, I do need to be better, but obviously I'd rather be out there. Something like that. Yeah, but, I agree. but the comments didn't really bother me too much. Yeah, it's like I said, the comments themselves aren't really what bothered me. It's just what he didn't say. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And you know what? Um, I was looking into this a little bit um, the other day and – um, I, I tweeted out something along the lines of if, you know, I think we, we were a little bit more closer than we realized to a full teardown of the the roster, like as we know it, maybe even the core. Um, and I didn't mean that in like the most conventional sense. Uh, I don't think they're going to get rid of Kane or Taves. Um, they might get rid of Keith. They might even, you know, ship off Seabrook somewhere where he to waive his no movement clause, but the thing that scares the shit out of me the most, I guess, um, to put it in more broad terms is like, you know, once, you know, Keith and Seabrook are gone, are, are, are Kane and Taves just going to be kind of like the dog and pony show just to put asses in seats? Like, are they ever going to put, you know, a, a team around them again? Are they, are they going to go in another direction? Because, you know, the only reason I ask myself these questions is, um, you know, we've said at least 20 times already that, you know, they're not responding to Carlton. They're not responding to his system, which we'll get to in a bit. But I I, I just can't envision a scenario where this ends in, you know, a whole lot of positivity. Um, they're sure as shit a far cry away from a championship. But, you know, you look at you look at the matter, the matters as they are now and. Um, if, if 
Keith and Seabrook don't want to listen. I feel like Kane and Taves aren't going to listen. Uh, you know, if they do have the audacity to ship off Keith or Seabrook or somebody else, you know, elsewhere, like how's the rest of the core going to respond? You know, what what's going to become of this team if one of those, you know, big four veterans is either removed or essentially, you know, decides that they they just don't want to play anymore you know what i'm saying yeah i mean the thing is i i think he's already lost the room and that's if he ever had it in the first place because honestly i'm not sure if he ever did i mean last year they they were terrible when he took over and it, it wasn't until after the first of the year that they started to turn around a little bit yeah they're on a 90 point pace for 94 point pace whatever it was for three months but what was driving that kane was having the best season of his life taves was having the best season of his life Gustafson was somehow putting up 60 points and a power play was, was riding a hot streak. It was scoring at a nearly 40% clip. Like you had uh, like three players playing out of their minds and that's why they were on that pace. The whole team, I don't think was playing good. I, I'm not sure he ever got anyone's full attention to be honest with you. And if he did have it, it's, it's certainly gone now. I mean, I, when, when you, I think he's, he's lost Seabrook at this point, which is ironic because Seabrook is a guy that stuck up for him last year when things were going to shit. And I don't think anyone was listening when he first took over. And Seabrook had his back, and Seabrook's telling the team, like, hey, like, we got to get this thing on track. He's the coach now, and now you've lost Seabrook, and now you've lost the whole team, and I don't see this getting better anytime soon. I don't think they're listening to him. I've never seen Taves or Kane play the way they are right now. I've no- nothing even close. Yeah, and, and it's not really just, you know, chalking up to bad luck either. Like, you know, they had chances in the middle, in the minimal ones that the opposition has allowed. But, um, it just like it's like you said. I, I've never seen them play so uninterested. Uh, I guess like lackadaisical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just it's just like they they don't. I I know they care, but it's almost like they're playing in protest of their coach at this point. Well, here, here's my question: Was for both of you guys was yesterday's performance, which we'll get to in a little bit, was that a result or kind of a response uh, to Seabrook being scratched the second game? Was that kind of like a hey? Uh, kind of a message to Carlton, like don't don't scratch our alternate captain, don't scratch a leader on this team again. Do you, do you guys think that that had anything to do with it, or am I just looking too far Makes into this? Sense. I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit and say, um, not entirely. Like I think I could see him know, doing it out of out of spite. Well, yeah, but then again, it's Let's just like cutting guy. your nose off just to spite your face. I mean, your record is fucking horrible. You can't afford to get off to this bad of a start on purpose, especially. Um, I mean, there, there's probably some truth to that. Like, you know, morale could obviously, it is, and also it just could be very low. And that could also, you know, just be the the, the performances they've had could just be a result of that. It's um, just a really weird time for these players. Like, they're not used to this. But, but like, let's, yeah. let's not get this wrong, too. Nashville is miles ahead of the Hawks. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I said. Like, Nashville's, like, it, it, it's not some shit team. It's the Predators. And we'll get into that game a little bit, but I, in a little bit. But I was just curious if you thought. I mean, we're talking now. Three of their last four games have been utter embarrassments. You had the, the Philadelphia game, you had the uh, the Carolina game, and then you come out and and you beat the Kings, and you're thinking, okay, like good win. And and don't get me wrong, the Kings are dog shit. The Kings are one of the few teams that look worse than the Hawks so far to start the year. That's a game you should win in convincing fashion, and they did. And you're feeling good. Dominant game. Yeah, you're feeling good coming off that win against the Kings, and then they show up to play the Predators, and and they're playing like it's a fucking throwaway game in Rochester. And 
the, the worst game I've seen him play in maybe 10 years. That was an awful game. I mean, you, you look at the uh, the Tampa Bay game from last year when they gave up, like, what was it, like 60-something shots? Yeah, 33 of them in that second period or first period, whatever it was. Like, like that was a litmus test to prove that they were good, and they just got, you know, destroyed by an elite team. But that was, that, that, was, that, that was one bad period more than I think a full game. Like, this start to finish was a disaster. Oh, yeah. From the instant the puck dropped, I didn't get to catch much of the game because I was at work, but Locked. I could tell just based off the stat lines that were coming up on NHL Network, it was a sincerely ugly experience that I am you let Nick Benino I, just I, drop a hattie on you. Well, okay, and, and that's the other thing, too. Okay, we could talk about, uh, you know, Seabrook's play declining all we want, and he's clearly not the same player that he used to be, and he's clearly struggling out there borderline NHL player at best. I think we'd all agree, but I guarantee you if he was in the lineup, he would have given more of an effort on that hat trick goal than Gustafson did because he might not be the best player, but at least he tries. That's true. And, you know, uh, it's, I I also want to say that, you know, maybe it's more of a system thing, but we could also move into that later. We'll get into that Um, a bit too, yeah. I, I mean, Johnny, do you have any more thoughts on, like the the tom fuckery that is the hawks locker room the tom fuckery i just don't think i think he's never had him and he never will if they keep not at it. this point no no anything if he had them yeah. at all and i'm I, and i'm not sure that he ever got that room that those guys respected q so much that i don't think that he that Colton ever got their attention ever got got them to buy in yeah, we we're, we talked many times about that 94-point uh, pace they were on. That's great. You had three players dragging that team by the dick to that 94-point pace. I don't think that had anything to do with buying into the coach. Mm-mm. And um, probably one of the more ludicrous things I've heard in the past week or so is I enjoy a nice swig of Lining Kugel's Oktoberfest. Sponsor us, please. It's not, a, it's not a plug. but um, <laughs> I mean, if they want to sponsor us, that'd be cool. Come on the show. I, I just took notice that uh, a lot of people seem to think that Colleton is going in the right direction in terms of uh, the policing these players, which I think is just not true in the slightest. Um, you, you, you literally cannot, you cannot do this and expect to, you know, harbor a healthy locker room status, I guess, so to speak. Uh, it, it just seems like, what the fuck did that one guy say? Um, God, what the fuck did he say? Ugh. You just saved the receipts. I know, I know, I should have, but he blocked me. Now I can't see them. Oh, fuck! Suck. <laughs> All right, we wrap this one up. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, uh, it's the podcast. Good night. We'll, see, we'll see you guys Saturday night. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit! What the fuck was it? Um, Honestly, don't cut it out. This is fantastic. <laughs> No, this is fucking. Yeah, I guess we are the worst. It's the Blackhawks locker room and intermission of the second period. <laughs> <laughs> the hell are we doing out there? I don't know. All right, let's go get them. <laughs> Everyone's just looking at Kane. Like, can you do the thing where you just like score all the goals? Who's texting me? How's the pod? I'm recording it right now. Thanks for asking. Last time we did this, my girlfriend texted me and she was like, "Can you call now?" And I was like, "Busy." <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. I'm getting pissed off about my hockey team online. 
Oh, I just remembered um, that Colleton can doctor the lines pretty much any way he wants, and the players should be able to uh, oh, essentially perform with with that. no excuses, which I think is just absurd. Um, I, I it was like I really... changing the lines like multiple times without telling them, or no, that was practice this morning. Either way, I mean, it's the same shit. I mean, I saw I saw Jonathan Taves in like. Oh, Zach, Zach Smith, Smith and Andrew Shaw. Together? Yeah. Like, what the oh hell God. is that? He, he's he's throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks at this point. He has he has no answers. He has no Changing idea. Changing the lines and in, in practices. We're we're talking about a guy who's to... whose solution to everything so far. Like it, like I don't know. It just it, it seems to be like double shift Kane. Like every every chance he gets, like he can't coach. It's so annoying. It's just ridiculous. I mean, people kind of pointed to the, you know, the Carpenter line with Debrinket and Strom, but you know, as as great as Carpenter looked on that fourth line, he looked good for being on a fourth line, whereas Debrinket and Strom just kind of took over and did their thing and showed the obvious chemistry that they've had throughout their entire hockey careers playing together. Like it, it was a no-brainer to put them together. Like how the hell do you how do you how, how the hell do you not do that especially after last year when they tore it up? Yeah, I mean it, it took it took till game eleven in the season for him to put them two with Kane in the third period of game eleven. Like, uh, man, I I just don't know how that works. Like you jumble the lines so much, nobody gets any good chemistry, and then you take out one of their veterans on a moment's notice with just a minimal amount of explanation like what what as a coach would make you think that's going to sit well with your players and, and it's, it's juggling the lines in, in ways that make no sense at all like in ways that do not put the team in the best position to win and that's literally his job and here's the thing i get it Carlton's not good at making lines this is known Q was at least, you know, good at putting the line blender together and finding something that worked for, you know, a period or two to weather a storm, you know, something like that. And even though he did have some dumbass moves like scratching Tavo and Vermette, we all know about that. I mean, we never saw it to the level at which Colleton has kind of executed the way he's deployed his players. Right. And I, because I mean, I would say like 99% of the time with the, with the blunder Quinville, it, it worked fine. It was pretty logical. He got the results. He, he knew his team. Like he knew what the players needed to do. And Colin is the exact opposite. Like I, man, he can't coach. That's the difference. Like Q knew every, like he knows his team. He knew his team. He's been there forever. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think Colton knows like that you have to form the lines like a certain way. Like I, I get that you want to have, you know, playmaker puck winner finisher that's cool and you can do that with the top six with you know guys like sod taves kubalik during it's kane um or even shaw god forbid if you want to put him in the top six but just i mean come on man like like david Kampf as your second line center Zach Smith on the top line with Taves. Yeah, I mean Dylan Strom, just, fourth line winger. Dylan Strom, fourth line winger. Alex Debrinket, fourth line winger. Yeah, that rules. Like, like the only the only line that's made sense so far out of this juggling has probably been you know Sod, Doc, and Shaw. Yeah, I mean, I, the it didn't really make sense to put Carpenter with with Debrinket and Strom, but it, I mean it worked for that game because you kind of you had the guy that created space for him and went to the corners, won the puck battles, you know. All that, but like long term, that is not a solution. It's not. No, not at all. Do we have an explanation yet as to why he even put 
Dylan Strom on the wing, like a career center. All of a sudden, you're on I the actually wing. have okay. an explanation. Okay. Um, in the OHL, he does have some experience playing wing because when he was in junior, he was on a line with Debrinket and McDavid. And McDavid oh, has right. also played okay. center his entire life. Okay. And so um, I know people were pissed about, you know, him reaching to Strom to put on wing, but there there is at least like a paper thin reason at that, but a, a reason. Well, wing is one thing, second fourth line, line wing, wing is not the fourth right. line wing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, there was that, there, there was those, uh, was, was it even multiple games where he was on second line wing or yeah, something it was, like it was that? Like two game, yeah. There yeah. It was like two games. I like can't that. remember. Yeah. I think it was, uh, he, Washington and, uh, um, Vegas maybe. Well, it's just like either way. And, you know, he tried doing this with Nylander too, by trying to just rat fuck him into, you know, playing a, an awful game, which is, it's shocking that he broke himself out of whatever funk he was in and has been playing great lately. But um, no, I mean, I, I I don't get how, you know, you, you go out of your way to sandbag your players like this and, and formulate lineups that make absolutely no sense. Right. And then go to the media and essentially throw all your players under the bus for everything that you you're at fault for no yeah, account, well, and, no, uh, no accountability, accountability. The, yeah exactly no accountability on his end and, and the thing is too is like to to say that the lines don't matter and it's all about just playing the right way is it's such a such a bad statement like yes like it is you have to play the right way but like you also have to put your team in the best position to play the right way and he's not doing that and and throwing people under the bus throwing a team under the bus a core under the bus that's accomplished more in their careers than he ever will it gets old pretty quick. You can't just keep doing that every time something doesn't yeah, go your way. You can't take any that shit. You got you got four guys on there that have won three cups. You have another three guys that have won two cups, and you're throwing them under the bus consistently and and never shouldering any of the blame. And as far as I can remember, I don't think he's ever taken blame for anything. No, not a lot. I mean, he's no. he's done like the fake tough guy scene where he pretends to be pissed yeah, off that, about how games have ended up, which well. is you know yeah. one thing. But, you know, I hate to go all, you know, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man on you guys, but just like, you know, with that sort of great power as a head coach comes great responsibility. And, you know, you, you can you can try and light a fire under the guy's ass all you want. Um, you can scratch him, bench him, you know, do whatever the fuck you want. Um, but at the same time, you you have to own up to your own mistakes as well. Like that's not just being a good coach. That's just being like a good person in general. And I'm not saying Jeremy Carlton's a bad person by any stretch <laughs> yeah, of the imagination. <laughs> he seems like a really straight laced guy, yeah. but uh, just, I, I don't know how, you know, such a, a straight laced persona can give off such a, just, just a shitty demeanor to the media. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't understand what his approach is supposed to be. Like, it, it just seems like it's almost like it's almost like if a dog, like you know, pisses on the floor. Like, you know, the old school way would to be to you know rub his nose in it and then throw him out the door. But you don't do that anymore because you know it's been shown that positive reinforcement and you know it takes up you know it's it's a little bit more important. I'm not saying you got to coddle these guys and you know become their friend or anything because. That's the fast track to becoming, you know, Dan Bilesma, but you got to at least communicate um, what you like about their game, what they could be doing differently, 
Right. Instead of just, you know, saying, oh, yeah, the effort wasn't there tonight. Especially with your core players. Yeah, just, you know, saying I didn't like the way we looked. We had we were good in stretches. That only gets you so far. Yeah, and then, I mean, like, same thing going back to, like, communication with players. He, he comes out and he says, like, um, you know, Seabrook uh, comes out and says he doesn't he didn't really talk to me, didn't explain it. But then Calvin goes to the media and he's like, uh, communication is super important. Like, something along those lines. Like, obviously it's not. Like, come, you know, you're getting caught, like, in a lie. Like, everyone sees it. Well, no, it's it's the funny thing. He's like, yeah, there is communication, but the communication that he cited was like sending him like a f- fucking text message on an off day. And hey, buddy, like you're it. in the box tomorrow night. Like, yeah, sorry, that, that, that's like literally it. Yeah, that, that was about the extent of what he did. And and we're not talking about some some rookie and you know coming up and playing like his third game or whatever. Like we're talking about a guy that's been here since the dark days. That's been here for everything. It's been a legend of this town. Like he deserves like some respect, and he's not getting. I'm pretty. I'm pretty positive he's the first member of the core as we know it to debut debut with the Blackhawks. Is he I not? believe yeah, I believe that's correct. I think he was like 20, but either if way, it's not like, him, it was know, Keith. But it was I'm pretty sure it was him. You know, as much as I rip on Seabrick for being you know fucking awful like all the time. Well, it's 2019. Like, yeah. yeah, that that dude <laughs> is the Blackhawks We're in thankful. a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how you go off and treat somebody like that, like like such shit who's done nothing but good for your franchise for so long. T- Taves is their captain, but Seabrook's the vocal leader of that team. Like, go back to the, uh, go back to the, take a trip down memory lane and, and uh, go back to the 2013 series against the Wings when Taves was in the middle of taking like 16 penalties and they were about to go down three to one in the series and yeah, he's sitting in the box. box ready to just Hulk smash everything and, and Seabrook comes in the box, puts his arm around him, like, talks to him, and and th- they come back and they win the series and Tate scores a couple goals. Like, that, you can't tell me that that, you know, that, that's a turning point of a season right there. That's a lead. And who, who, got, who got the series winning goal? Exactly. Yeah, that's just, that's like... Well, it should have been Jalmerson, but, you know. Right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's a warrior in his own right, and I, I honestly don't remember the Jalmerson goal, as far as I'm concerned. It never happened. Um... <laughs> No, it should have counted, but yeah. um, it 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 just uh, it just baffles me, like the direction this team's going, and uh, oh god, it, it it is just so ugly. And it's part of the reason why I was talking about earlier, like if 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 Seabrook goes down, I feel like the rest of the team kind of goes down with them because for as much as he kind of sucks, um, you, you know, playing wise, um, this team, in an emotional sense, seems to be attached at the hip with those four core guys, Seabrook obviously being one of the biggest of them all, if not the biggest. Um man, I, I, I just feel like if if he's if he's as done as we think he is, then this team like you might as well just, you know, uh go to fucking Ramuski and give Lafreniere a sweater right now. And here's the thing too is is we're talking about whether or not they, they buy into into him and want to listen to him as a coach. How many more embarrassing efforts can they throw out there? I'm talking three of the last four games. You had the, the Flyers game, the uh, the Hurricanes game, and now this, this Nashville game, which was so unbelievably terrible, which I think we still want to get into a little bit more. How many of these efforts, like, how many of those efforts can you can you have before somebody's held accountable? Somebody, like, how, how many how more times can that happen before He's fired. Like, no, you're not in charge anymore. Well, this is the thing is like, I feel like it's only really 
Hawks Twitter who has been kind of, you know, calling for his head to be on the oh, hot I bet seat. the front and office it, loves him. Yeah, uh, I mean, Stan hired him for a reason. I don't know if there's any more politics behind it than that. Cool. Like maybe John McDonough, wa- John McDonough wanted to bring up a guy in the system. John McDonough, I don't fuck off too. But he can fuck off, but he still has a say in hockey ops for whatever. N- knows reason. nothing. Of, knows nothing about hockey. He's there's strictly the, there for yeah. business, but he's making hockey. It's nuts. But I'm just. I mean, how many and, more efforts, like like the three of your last four games, can you have before it's like this is not okay? And the issue is, is Bowman would be admitting that he he, he fucked up and he made the wrong choice. But if it's to save his own job, like you got to do that. Like if they if they have three games out on the West Coast now, what if they only win like one of them, or what if they lose all three? Like how do you come back to Chicago and be like you're still the coach? How do you do that? I don't know. It just seems like embarrassing effort after embarrassing effort unless they play a totally dog shit team. Like the Kings the other night, which we saw. And they're playing again next year in a couple days. And Colleton will take credit for the big win. I mean, there's, there's, they got outshot 51 to 20. Like, when I say this game, like, when, when anyone says this game could have been like 10 nothing, they're literally not kidding. Like, that is not an exaggeration. There was, the only reason it wasn't is because Robin Leonard stood on his head. He was he was awesome, and 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 then he praised the defense yes, afterwards. He he literally yeah, like God. thanked the defense for the way they played in front of him. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you should fifty one puck shot at you over a three hour span, and you're praising the defense in front of you for fucking what? What did they do? They did nothing. Make Leonard head coach. Man, he he he's an awesome teammate. Like, <laughs> Player coach. Here we go. But I mean, they got outshot. 51 to 20 at one point it was on pace to be like 48 to 16 or something like that like how at one point they were on pace for 60 shots like it actually toned down there was and and getting back to whether or not the, the right coach is here there was there was a Leonard Fro, Leonard remember when Leonard froze the puck then went to the TV timeout there's what roughly three to five minutes in between play for a TV timeout you could ice anyone you want, and nobody should be out of gas. You should, everyone should be ready to go. He comes out of a TV timeout, a defensive zone draw with Gustafson and Gilbert as his two defensemen with Carpenter, Debrinkit, and Strong. There is, you can't do that. And then uh, Nashville ended up having, like, I think it was 38 straight seconds in their zone, and I believe seven shots on goal. Not an exaggeration. I believe in that 38 seconds, there were seven shots on goal and eventually scored. They eventually score on the play. No, it's but okay though. It's okay though because li- uh, line matchups don't. You matter. came out of a TV timeout and you iced Gustafson and Gilbert in the defensive zone. Like, how is that? That's not even defensible. It's not even. Holy shit! Like, yeah, it's literally a guy who we all know can't play defense, and then some dude playing like his fourth NHL game or something like that. Like, come on! And then you got Debrinket and Strom. You know, as much as I love those guys. Not exactly defensive stalwarts, even though I will maintain that Alex Dabrinkit plays a pretty solid 200-foot game. The guy that you got there that you're relying on almost entirely is Carpenter. Yeah, it was it was 38 seconds of possession and seven shots on goal. That's, that's a yes. shot on goal every five seconds. Like, are you kidding me? It's just crazy. I, I, it's, it's one of the reasons why, you know... Uh, it it really just uh, it really chaps my ass raw to see people tweet about how Carlton needs more of a chance and his system just needs more time to work and you know they they say what is it like 
how many games have we been fucking I count, so I, far? Is it like it's 11? been eleven games, but so they've had eleven it games this year. Like that much. They've had eleven games this year. They had six preseason games, and he he coached sixty something games last year. So he's been behind the well, bench. Yeah, no, it, it hasn't been eleven games. It's been like sixty. It, it's been like it's oh, been like eighty. Yeah. It's been like over eighty. Like if you if you can't, you got he, counting everything. He got his he, yeah, he, counting preseason. He got he got his training camp. He got his off season. He's had eighty something games. It's not getting any better. It's getting worse. Like, if they replace Collison with, oh, uh, no, no, not replace. But who do you think the players would listen to more, Collison or Taves? Taves, Keith, Seabrook. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they, well, they don't care what he has to say. Vets, but like, <laughs> I, I guess it kind of just reminds me of like the. Uh... Like, this could manifest itself into being like one of those, you know, uh, onset fall of Detroit situations where, you know, uh, Henrik Zetterberg sitting in the locker room and despite what his coach says is like, okay, guys, here's what we're actually going to do. And then, you know, everything just kind of falls apart internally from there. there. There's there's no evidence that they're listening or buying into anything. There's no evidence anything's getting better. And, no, there's not, and and, and and no no real helps coming on the way. No. I mean, I, I can I can I can scream, call up Adam Boquist until I'm blue in the face, and Halloween today will be day ten. I man, they they really they're on some serious thin ice right now. I think just front office wise entirely. Like so, so here's my thing is. And I'm not a big Bowman guy at all. And I, at this time last year, I was, or almost this time last year, I, I was calling for him to be fired. I think, relatively speaking, he's had a pretty decent calendar year. And I think he put some legit talent on this roster where if things went right, I think myself included and a lot of people thought like they could make a push for like the second wild card spot. Like I legitimately believe that with, with the roster that was constructed. And I bought into the whole you know, get a training camp to implement the system even more, all that shit. I think he's done a pretty good job. But uh, Jay Zawoski was saying on the uh, on his Lockdown Blackhawks podcast that he thinks if this road trip goes bad, they lose like these next three games or whatever, he thinks stands on the hot seat more than Carlton. And I disagree with that. What do you guys? I disagree with the two because, that man, you really have to consider the alternatives to Bowman here. Like, I know everybody doesn't like Stan Bowman, and I tweeted about this a few days ago, but, like, who who, who are you going to replace him with? Like, Peter Shirelli? Fuck. Like, like, I know... Dude, no. God, I know, no. Uh, I know he hasn't been the greatest. Um, I know he hasn't made deals that everybody's completely wild about, but, like, fucking A. Like, this talent on this roster should at least be able, like Tommy said, to at least contend for like a wild card spot. I think. And they're on the fast track to another lottery pick. Like I, and if you would ask me a year ago, I would have said, get rid of him. But I think he had a decent enough calendar year where he at least deserves to see this season. Out. At the end of the year, if, if, if things are, are garbage at the end of the year, I think you clean house. But I think he deserves to at least see the season out. Whether or not I trust him with the keys to, to fix it long term, I, I don't know. But he at least deserves to see this season out with the additions he made, with the attempts he made to make the team better. I'm getting rid of and There have been many legitimate attempts. Yeah, and, and, and 
I, I mean, I'm I'm getting rid of Kyle before I get rid of Stan at this point. Now, yeah, at the end of the year, at the end of the year, maybe they both have to go. But right now, I'm I'm ready for a new coach. Like, if he wants to start Saturday, like I'd be okay with that. Pretty much. I mean, honestly, just everybody says you know Mark Crawford is pretty much Stan's insurance policy, and I believe it. But like, I I honestly don't know why you wouldn't roll with him at this point. He seems to, you know, he has a track record, quote-unquote. I'm using that very liberally, but he, he at least knows the NHL game. Might as well um, roll the dice after these first 11 games. I know. It's it's really bad. And, and I've tried to stay optimistic by saying, you know what, they had such good starts last year only to shit the bed. Maybe they're starting horrible this year, and they'll turn around. Um, I really do hope that's the case. In fact, I think that's the case um, to an extent. But it, that entirely relies on what Carlton wants to do in terms of, um, in terms of deploying a system that he sees fit. Because the man-to-man coverage just doesn't cut it. Is this so complicated that they legitimately cannot pick it up after eight games? I, it can't be. I, I, I no. You. You cannot play a system like that when you have zero speed. Like it's a perfectly Don't fine have fast defenseman. Yeah, because one guy gets beat and the entire thing goes to shit, and it happens countless times over and over and over again. And I don't think anybody. Oh, <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> actually wants Mark Crawford. I I think I'm just done with Jeremy Collins, so I'm just willing to give anybody else a shot. And, yeah, we'll take yeah, anyone. And if he, my, if he takes over and too. he implements more of a zone system, simplifies it, that makes more sense, that, that caters to this roster better, if he puts lines together, that makes sense. If he fi- get, tries to find something to get something out of the special teams and they you know, can turn this around a little bit, I think that's a win. I, I honestly do, because they're not going anywhere right now. And it's, it's going to get I would like to see. I would like to see what the Hawks' record would be right now after 11 games if Q was the coach. Yeah, I mean it's very interesting point. I, I'm on I'm on record of saying I I never would have fired him. There, you can argue that it was time to move on. Maybe it was. I wouldn't have done it, but I mean it was it was a long time coming. Whether uh, I'm sorry, you cut out there. What'd you say? Oh, uh, the replacement was a long time coming. Whether or not it was deserved, uh, you could argue oh, it wasn't, gotcha. but it was a long time coming. It was it was on the wall for so long. I mean, I don't think people realize like how close he was to getting fired after they lost to Phoenix in 2012. I mean, it would. It, I think it was. I think it was almost a done deal before they decided. Stuff would have been so much different. Yeah. Oh man, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Can I you mean, imagine maybe... only having one dreary cup? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it, it makes us sound so spoiled, and to an extent, we are because the Hawks are the team of the decade, and I will not hear any fucking arguments. Sky point. But, um, no, Mark Crawford, I, I'm assuming he wouldn't be a great coach, but God damn it if he wouldn't be a better alternative. Any, than anything is better than uh, to, just to be so stubborn to, like, watch this over and over again, constant defensive lapses, and then just come out and say, we need to play the right way. No, like, no. That, it's no. the player's fault. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's failure by design because, you know, like you said, no speed. It can't work in a man system. That literally means on this roster, you have no margin for error. Zero and with hockey error. being as random as it is, that's physically impossible. Like, it, it, is, it is impossible for this roster to play up to the expectations that this coach has kind of set for his own system. I mean, you're telling me that 
that if they played a zone system that you couldn't get a little bit more out of Seabrook than what you're getting right now? Like, yeah, you could. Like, absolutely you could. Well, yeah, I mean, it gives you an opportunity to rest some of your older guys' legs, too. Like, you can play a little bit more conservative, conservatively. You, you, you sit back in your zone a little bit more, and you have, you know, your, your wingers pressuring the puck carries. Like, this is not fucking rocket science. Like, I, I, I just, I, I don't understand how you can have the slowest defensive core in the league and then go out and be like, yeah, we got to play fast almost always. And if, by the way, this guy blows coverage here, um, you better get there in time to make up for You're it fucked. or else this guy's open and we're screwed, which happens a lot. It happens every single fucking How game. How many times is someone just standing alone in the blue paint? Five times a game? Like... Man, what was that one game where they just said, who the fuck was it that scored completely alone in front of the Hawks? I sent you that goal too. It was somebody. Yes. It was uh, it was somebody on Win- it was the Winnipeg game, right? I think it was the Winnipeg game. Or was that was it the Sharks where they were playing? Uh, yeah, maybe was it Barclay Goudreau? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was the it was the first game after the the product trip. Yeah, you're right. I remember that game because I was driving up to Duluth and then I was watching it in the car and I shut it off because it was so bad. Yeah, I mean, it's zero margin for it. When, you, when you're playing a system designed for speed and you have no speed, like, wh- what are we doing? I don't know. Um, it, it just seems like the Hawks are a, a, a very extreme crossroads right now. And whether it be in coaching or whether it be in management, these next few months, you know, the whole season, I guess, per se, it whether we like it or not, are are some serious, like, um, some serious waters that we got to wade through because there is nothing about the beginning of the season that strikes confidence in me as a fan. No, there's nothing about the beginning of the season that makes me think that there is, you know, an upward. Nope. Um, I mean, for all we know, like scariest shit is like they couldn't even. Maybe this isn't even rock bottom. Like that is a sincere Ooh, possibility. I think. I think that. Yeah. Man, I don't know. I don't know how it gets worse than this. I mean, you saw it last night. That's pretty low. But, yeah. like, imagine if they string together a, a multiple games like that. Like, that's inherently or, worse. But that would bring or change. Or, like you said, that Leonard would absolutely make, bring change. Leonard yeah. doesn't stand on his head and they lose 8-0. Well, that's the thing is it brings change. But, like, is it positive or <clears> negative? <throat> like, we tried to bring in change with Carlton, the firing at Q, and we've seen how it's turned out and it's completely backfired. Yeah, I mean, uh, Pecorino's comments after the game yesterday said everything. Me, he basically said that was one of the easiest games I've ever played in my life. Like, that's a that should be a wake up call. That should be a wake up call to every single guy in that room. Yeah, no, you you can't have another professional, another team, basically just roasting you like that at will and being right about it because he was not contested at all. It didn't never seem like the Predators got out of you know just kind of playing in slow motion for a while, except for when they were on offense, they look pretty good, but just like, it's not, it's not like they had to try very hard to stave off any of Chicago's efforts. No, there was like, I I think they were credited with like three scoring chances the entire game. That's terrible. I mean, yeah, it's, it's bad. It, it really is. I'm going to go on the natural stat trick and see who is the worst player on the ice. Let's find out. I'm just gonna. I I have no idea. I haven't looked, but uh, my guess is Gustafson. So let me know. Uh, Didn't you say Cuckoo enough. played like 
Okay. Uh, not yesterday. Two, uh, against the Kings and against uh, uh, Carolina, I thought he's pretty good. But yesterday, yeah. no. Let's see what we got here. Full report. Give it to me. I want to die. Blackhawks on ice. Gustafson had a, a fucking front row seat to that hat trick goal, so I'm going to go with him. Um, I, I apologize for us coming to you in this very loose format. You, the listening audience, by the way. Yeah, but, all six people. Um, Thanks. This We're just is, chilling. I mean, either way, I mean, we kind of <laughs> owe it to these six people to maybe give it a little bit of an apology because, like, you know, we we don't mean to be so down. We don't mean to you know come at you and just bitch into your ears for yeah. An we've hour been, and a half, we've probably been pretty brutal here for so far. It's like, man, like okay. First of all, let's go to even strength. Oh, um, let's see. Worst defender was Calvin DeHaan. Actually, okay. he posted a twenty one point four three share. Look at Taves, by the way. Just look at Taves. Uh, and, and Taves was horrible. He only played 15 minutes at even strength. Um, look at the... Uh, I guess that's pretty par for the course. Pull up the heat maps so you can see what Robin Leonard dealt with. Okay. I, I looked at him oh already. I, I saw that. Just take a look. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it honestly looks like a storm system is moving <laughs> through the Hawks zone. <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah. It, like... like Full on tornado warning, sirens are going off Fucking and everything. That is what Benito. it looks like. I looked at that this morning yeah, and I was like, I looked at that this morning. I was like, holy fuck, this poor guy is not coming back next year. In the in the Hawks, like their end of the heat map just looks like a fucking donut. Like they got a couple shots from the perimeter. <laughs> they got a couple shots from inside the crease or area, or like between the dots area, slot area, I should say. They had three power plays um, yesterday. You know how many shots they had in those three power plays? Was it like one? Zero. Or something crazy? It was zero. Zero? Okay. It was worse than I thought, which is really funny. They're old uh, for the last... These days we'll go on and on about a good good Blackhawks game. They're, uh, they're old for the last 20-something there, so, you know. Well, that's the thing, I actually, I wanted to bring up about Mark Crawford is, like, even though he does bring in some change, he is also one of the dipshits who is, you know, giving a hand and drawing up the power play and the penalty kill. Man, I, it's not exactly encouraging. Dude, at this point, I'm just like, get some, get somebody else in there. I, I don't even care anymore. Like, anybody else. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, who knows, dude? I mean, uh, is there anything else you wanted to get to, or do you want to just go straight to questions? Um... Yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything. Our questions are. All right, that's fair enough with me. Um, I actually owe this guy a little bit because he asked me um, about a week ago, and I forgot to ask, but or I forgot to answer it. But um, here, let me look up his name really quick. It is uh, Manny Donovan, at Manny Donovan, um, asked me, do you ever see Eddie O talk about the players on the broadcast? I honestly feel like he should be the Hawks coach over Carlton. Mm, um, no. You essentially want to know what I thought and like maybe over Colleton, like if we're going you know, straight pound for pound, like him versus Colleton, like I squint Fuck really it. hard, like really, really fucking hard. I could maybe see yeah. it o- over Colleton, but in general, no. In general, no. I mean, that, that backfired extent... once before. Who are you with uh, uh, Pittsburgh? With Pittsburgh, yeah. and they had generational talent on that team. Yeah. Like that wasn't a, that so, wasn't a horrible. So, so over Carlton, like you said, if you squint, yeah, maybe, but generally speaking, not a chance. He's perfectly fine in the, in the booth. No, the extent of Eddie, Eddie Olchek's hockey analysis is throw those hands up towards the crossbar and get that stick on the ice. And I mean, I fucking could do that in my in my sleep. <laughs> so 
if he can be an NHL coach, then so can I. God damn it. Keep the feet moving too. But, don't um, forget. No, yeah, keep the feet moving. You, you want to see a young player uh, shoot, Head to the net, shoot that kid. puck. Yeah, shoot that puck. Don't don't get, defer get to, to somebody else. God damn. Uh, no, let's see what else we got here. Uh, uh, from trick to treat, at from tape to tape, asks, is there a good alternative to call it to other than Crawford? Uh, Are you concerned about Doc's ice time? What's Keith's trade value? That's three questions, but I won't blame you because go. we only got like a handful. Um, so in season, I, I think alternatives, no, because you're not bringing somebody from outside in season. It's not going to happen. So as far as the rest of this year goes, he's just probably your safest bet. But if it, let's say that happens, it all backfires. They clean house at the end of the year. I'm throwing a name out here. Just let me know what you think. Babcock. No, um, I, <laughs> I, I do, I, I do. I, I'll take it. I don't really know. Like, just because Mike Babcock seems like <laughs> such a human embodiment of CTE, I don't know if he can coach. Who cares? Give me. I, I just want to throw anyone. it out because I think he's he's out of toronto after this year i don't i don't think he'll be back but i personally think he's the most overrated coach in hockey i don't want him but i i just want to throw that name out there no it's actually something like to your to your credit i thought about it too um like even if you got fired in season maybe the hawks you know gave him a gave him a gave him a chance to show what he's got but then then again that would include also signing him to like a multi-year deal which i don't want so yeah i don't I guess want, in a perfect I, just, I want to throw it out I, I would I would like to see what Babcock had to offer to this team, but at the same time, like the circumstances are too great, and I don't want Mike Babcock. I wouldn't want Mike Babcock here for any longer than he has to be, no. which is like yeah. a season or two max. Yeah, no chance. So as far as this season goes, Crawford's your best bet because I, uh, you just I don't know. You don't really bring in guys from outside the org in season. It doesn't really happen. So fair enough. Uh, Johnny, any thoughts on that? What was the second All question? Right. I forgot already. Are you concerned about Doc's ice time? No, he's here to stay. So we didn't even um, yeah, we didn't really talk morning. about that. So uh, he's he's staying for the rest of the year, not going back to juniors. But did you see what Carlton said uh, about? Uh, no, I actually saw he averaged about fifteen or so minutes of ice time at even strength. Though, he, so I didn't hear what he said. He, he didn't play much yesterday, which for whatever reason. But not really the point. So anyway, so they announced today that he was going to stay with the team for the rest of the year, which I think is the right move. But Colin basically paraphrasing said, you know, he might not play every night. Uh, we need to focus on him, him getting bigger and stronger. Um, and 82 games, he essentially said an 82-game season is, is long for a kid that's used to playing in juniors, and he might not have the stamina or the strength to play the whole season. So they're going to manage his ice time. They're going to rest him. And, uh, yeah, so... You know, which really just gives us more ammunition than we actually need. Considering I think that would mean the opposite. I mean, like I can't, I can't believe like half the shit that comes out of this dude's mouth. Like it's unreal. Well, we already know you can't form a lineup, but then you take Doc, who's been one of your better players as of the last handful, and tell him that you're gonna limit his ice time pretty much no matter what, just because he's 18 years old. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily limiting ice time. It was literally games played. Like we might scratch him down the line because he's not used to playing 82 games. Oh yeah, but you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, God, that frustrates me. I, I'm doing a big, you know, temple rub <laughs> right now. And, uh yeah, I guess that is reason for concern. Um, I think it's stupid um, that they'd scratch it. I mean, he'd have to do something 
pretty egregious to you know play himself out of the lineup, which he hasn't done yet. Right. So just you to know, do it to, to rest him is just that's asinine. It's stupid. No, I mean, and he's gonna make mistakes like an eighteen-year-old's going to, but you, you don't you don't just say, oh yeah, he's probably not gonna play. We're gonna keep him, but he's not gonna play every game because he's eighteen years old. Right. Uh, again, not a thing that harbors a, a healthy locker room status. No, at all. I mean, like, like I'm starting to like see why he was. This- in Europe, like, and not that that's a bad thing, but like, there's a reason that this guy wasn't like an up and coming coach in an NHL system first. All right, uh, move on to the next one. Yeah, what was the third question? Okay, it, it was uh, what's Keith's trade value? And I actually have um, some insight about this, but I want to hear uh, yours first, and we'll start with Johnny Louis Erickson. Louis no, Erickson, no. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. No, there. no chance. <laughs> Tommy, you got any any? I I don't I don't know. Like that contract is one of the best contracts in the league. Even if Keith's not the best defenseman in the league anymore, that contract is still a bargain. So yeah. I think he's valuable, especially to a team that's looking to round out their top four. Maybe I I I think you can get a decent pick and a prospect for him. I I don't think that's unreasonable, but I also don't want to see him go anywhere so i don't know yeah me me too but i i I have speculated that you can get an a prospect and at least a second round pick yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair just because like you see a lot of what these guys are giving up for um you know people who fucking suck like we Nashville gave up a first round pick for Ryan Hartman not long ago. The Hawks gave up Phil Denault in um, the second round pick for Dale Weiss and Tomas Fleischman. So, yeah, exactly. We've got we've got it on Farm, our end too. Yeah. You know, the, the Minnesota Wild <laughs> gave up a first round pick for Martin Hansel just so nobody else could get him, which is the that funniest was, thing I've ever awesome. heard. Yeah, I mean, is it, there's there's uh, there's reason to believe like Keith, he's still a legit NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. Like he can still play top four minutes. Absolutely. I mean, if you, even if you if you deploy him smartly, he could probably play top two minutes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh no, yeah, I I think if you were to trade Keith, he does have that good contract. He has to agree still, too. Yeah, exactly. He he's got that good contract. He he may agree. He might, but you can still. He might agree just to get the fuck away from Carlton. Uh, like honestly, like he uh, might. <laughs> He he really might. I mean, like he is a person too. Like you can really only take so much of this. Yeah. Like this is this is terrible. I didn't I didn't <laughs> listen to it. On the clip. I didn't listen to the the full. I listened to most of the interview, and I know it's like super controversial, so I don't want to get like into it too much. But the Spit and Chicklets podcast from from Barstool, um, had they were in Chicago and they had Duncan Keith on, uh, last week and uh, or earlier this week's episode came out, and I listened to most of it. And I so I either missed this or I haven't gotten to it yet. But apparently he took a little subtle shot at at Colin on this on this interview. So I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen and see if I can pick up on what it was because apparently it's there. So I'm kind of interested to hear what it was. Cause I either missed it or I haven't gotten there. But did uh, he threaten to sick a public attorney <laughs> on Colin? <laughs> no. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like it was just kind of like joke. added to my point where like I don't think that they're exactly on the same page. I don't think he's his biggest man. So it wouldn't shock me to see him wave it. No, it wouldn't. It really wouldn't for me either. And you know, Keith hasn't always played ball with the organization. And if he doesn't play ball with the organization, then he definitely does not with Colleton. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I could see him waving it, but um, I still think the value's there, especially on a cup contending team. The dude has three cups. 
Um, you're also th- there's value in that. You you pay for that sort of shit around playoff time. Mm-hmm. Um, that th- that is that is a guy you'd want on your team, especially since he's very clearly hungry to win. Um, I still believe that he's got a lot of value. Um, whether it's you know justified or not, um, you're still getting good return for a guy like Duncan Keith. Um, moving on, to the next question is from oh my god this name brad american flag checkered flag emoji hashtag di9 making making chevy great again at god damn get a shorter read name. The ads from now on yeah at at beach and Beehawks. um is it time to clean house in the hawks front office is it time to recall bolquist yes um <laughs> Yeah. I can answer that one already. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, yes and I've I'm explained both. why. I think we've all explained I mean, why. You just watch Eric Gustafson for five seconds and yeah, that's your answer. Exactly. Um, should the Hawks and Jeremy, I like how he refers to him as Jeremy. Um, <laughs> uh, should the, it's, it's no offense to you. I just, I've never heard him referred to anything outside of like Carlton or Jeremy Carlton. So uh, should the Hawks and Jeremy, uh, wait, what? Oh, the Hawks, the Hawks... Can, can't like fire him. Okay, yeah, turn it over to Mark Crawford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I would do that. I think I think we've we've gotten to that pretty pretty much the whole time. I, I it's answered time. the question without it's, even knowing. Yeah, it. it's, it's 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 time. You got to get him out of there. He he's not fit for the job. He's in over his head, and he's grasping at straws, and he has no answers, and he's got to go. Uh, um, give Mark Crawford a shot. You can't do any worse. Let's time... put it that way. As far as if it's time to clean house, um, uh, we already kind of explained why Bowman maybe should stick around just for at least a little while longer. I'll, I'll say one but, thing: uh, if they if they're a lottery team again, I'm right. I'm ready to clean house. Oh yeah, that's fair with me. I mean, that'd be the perfect time to do it too, and, uh, because then you can draft Lafreniere. And I'm not saying lottery in terms of sure. barely missing the playoffs and ending up with a uh, you know the 14th overall pick. I'm talking like if they're almost guaranteed a top three pick. If they finish with like a bottom five record, I'm I'm ready to clean house. Me too. Um, Johnny, you have any input? I agree with you. All right. Uh, let's see. Any, any others? Uh, I thought there was one, but it looks like that might be all of them, to be honest. But yeah, again, sorry for the very loose format. Um, we usually just use this, use this as a, a platform to kind of kind of bitch anyway. Um. I mean, Maybe we can I, talk about some nice things coming up in the next one after this West trip. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Considering they're playing some pretty god awful teams, I mean, they got they got the Kings again, and they're Kings, Ducks, Sharks. They got Anaheim as well, which I'm very on the fence about going to, since I will be going out to San Diego to see Deftones and Hum, which will be sweet as hell. But um, yeah, no, if I if I happen to catch the game live, in fact, I might make an effort to go see it live now just to relay what what it's like to see that sort of thing in person to you guys. But um, I, I'm a masochist and I like pain and torture. What can I say? Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really I didn't really say our names because not because you know you guys should know who we are by now because we're not all that important like at all. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, just uh. A very very loose podcast and i not a whole lot to talk about especially nothing positive but um yeah apologies um in advance for all those listening or i guess this is kind of the postscriptum but either way 
Um, I am at Debrinket underscore Haver and for Tommy at underscore 88 Showtime and for Johnny at Bryant double underscore 17. This is one for the Dagger podcast, Feathered Flow, the worst show in Chicago and happy Halloween. I hope things start turning up for all our sakes. You all have a good night. Yeah.